Our second reading is Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf, leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in, in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. I'll just pray before we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, as we're informed by your word today, may, may our hearts, our minds and our souls be transformed by its truth so we become doers of your word and not merely hearers. During the week, I posed a question to a group of Year 11 students in building and construction on uh, how to find a level. How can we find a level? And they had to come up with different ways to find a level. We used a water line, a tube with water in it, lifting it up and down to, to get it level. Um, we used a spirit level, long rule with the little bubble in the middle. And then we used a laser level. And I said to the fellas and one girl, uh, what we've got to do before we do anything is set this up firmly so we get the site correct. We've got to use something called a plumb line. And they all looked a bit bemused, a bit confused. And no one had heard of a plumb line. And I said, well, you've heard the saying, getting things plumb. And a couple of them sort of nodded and shrugged and a couple of them looked at each other. And I said, okay, well, a plumb line is a bit of string with a weight on the bottom. And it comes to a, a point, so a shape like a top. And the idea of the plumb line is when gravity finishes letting it swing around, it eventually settles on a centre point. And where that point is, is the plumb line because the string will be perfectly straight up and down because of gravity and if you move your finger the plumb the uh, weight at the bottom moves and you'll always get a straight line if you've got a weight on the bottom and even with a laser level with all the technology of a laser we're still using something that the Egyptians used to get the pyramids uh, plumb and that's a weight with a line on the bottom. And Psalm 1, the first Psalm, is the plumb line for living the good life, living the dream. When I was walking in this morning, Dave said to me, how you going mate? And I said, ah, living the dream. And Psalm 1 tells us how to live the dream. Um, the book of Psalms is quoted over a hundred times in the Bible, many times by Jesus, and it's one of the most loved books in the Bible, quoted at funerals and weddings. Uh, so it's, it's referred to a lot. 
the wisdom of Psalms is instruction for us. Now, I don't know what your concept of living the good life is, what living the dream is, but if we believe what the lotto ads and Stradbark tell us, uh, we can spend the rest of our life. And if we ask people what it is that the good life means to them, a lot of people might say things like um, uh, financial excess, so I could never have to worry about spending too much. Uh, having an abundance of toys, so whatever I want I can have. I uh, wouldn't ever have to work again and have no responsibilities. The advice on uh, health, wealth and prosperity like that is a very cheap alternative. It's a, it's a very hollow response that the media infiltrates our thinking with. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to rush home to watch a couple of programs on the idiot box. I used to love Doctor Who and I used to love Lost in Space. And Lost in Space was the um, struggles of the Robinson family and evil Dr Smith uh, in their desires to try and get back to Earth, to, to get back home. And Psalms is a bit like that. It's direction for two things. One for us not to get lost or be lost and one to get home, to understand where, where home is, our, our real home. So what does living the good life or living the blessed life uh, look like? So in Psalm 1 we get two dichotomies, we get two um, opposing perspectives. One is on the blessed life and one is the wicked life. So the next thing to think about, I guess, is what is blessedness or being blessed and, and what is wickedness. Those two concepts are very often uh, used quite frivolously. Um, I, I try very hard when I'm signing off emails or signing off text messages to say blessings rather than kind regards. Um, trying to get across the concept that I'm hoping that you receive a blessing. Um, so in, in the Bible, in Old Testament, in Hebrew, blessedness or to be blessed means a, a wholesome, complete fulfilment of what God wants for us. A, a feeling of being uh, not empty, not hollow, but fulfilled. Wickedness is very often misunderstood too. Um, we have different concepts of what wickedness is or what to be wicked is. Uh, if we ask the average guy in the street or girl in the street um, what is wicked, we might get a couple of different answers. We might get a, uh, a, an answer from a younger person that it's like the trolls uh, hanging under the bridge in Grimm's fairy tales. Uh, or it might be like Maleficent in Disney, uh, or Wicked Mr. Dr. Smith in Lost in Space. Uh, or we might get uh, somebody who's thinking a little bit more deeply and refer to uh, the, the heinous war crimes that have occurred, or those people who prey upon the weak or the innocent and the gullible and, and take advantage of them to great effect that results in their emotional or financial ruin. 
But wickedness is a concept. We don't really talk much about the wicked. We talk about people being naughty. I mean, as a, as a school teacher, I would never refer to a, a child as being wicked. Don't, don't be wicked. They might have 20 or 30, well, 40 or 50 years ago. Uh, we talk about being naughty or not doing the right thing. And I wonder if in our society we've kind of watered down a little bit the difference between uh, being righteous or being blessed and uh, being wicked or not, not living uh, God's way. So if you have a look at uh, Psalm number one, it starts off with what not to do, which is good advice. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Um, when you're walking with somebody, you're sharing with them, you're talking with them, you're going in the same direction. Um, if I ask people to put their hands up who's been in a three-legged race, I'm sure all of us at some stage have, and you know what it's like if you are mismatched to a partner who's either bigger than you or taller than you, so they have a, a longer or a shorter step than you. When you tie your legs together, you go very slowly talking to each other, step, step, step until you build up speed, until you start to think the same and you're in sync with the person next to you. But as soon as you are out of step, it's disaster. And there's a tumble and there's bruises and if you're younger, tears, and if you're older, maybe you break something. Um, but being, being in step means thinking the same, acting the same, even, even presupposing what the next action or the next thought might be. So. Um, the psalmist is telling us, blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked, who doesn't spend their time with those who are ungodly, who doesn't put themselves under the influence of those who don't love or share the things of God. Then he goes on to say, or sit in, sorry, uh, or stand in the way of sinners. Now, uh, there's a bit of a progression here from um, sitting, walking with, being influenced by, and then taking a stand. When you take a stand, you've, you've made a decision about something, you've decided something's going to happen, and yeah, I, I'm for that. It, it's going to happen that way. So there's a, there's a progression of being influenced by somebody, walking with them, talking with them, being influenced by them to, yeah, I'm going to own this for me. I'm going to make a, a stand on this. And then he proceeds, or sit in the company of mockers. Um, in Old Testament times, uh, teachers used to sit. Aristotle, Plato, Jesus uh, used to, to sit or recline. And those who were receiving the message, those who were listening, would be standing up. And that was a, a sign of respect to stand and listen to those who were sitting down. So, so the man, the woman, the person who sits in the company of mockers has progressed from listening to, hearing, being impacted by, to taking a stand and agreeing with, to actually teaching others or influencing others. So the psalmist is saying, blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked, doesn't stand with sinners, and doesn't sit in the company of mockers, but but who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. Um, sometimes when we talk about blessed or blessedness, we, we miss the implications of what it means. Um, if we sneeze, 
I'll bless you. That had significant influence in times past, in the early, early Middle Ages times of the plague. I guess we're experiencing a little bit of that now with the COVID stuff happening. People are wearing uh, masks and hand cleaning and we've got dispersed seating here and we you know, shake hands uh, differently and it's, it's changed our way of thinking and uh, our way of acting. And in medieval times, the thought that you could pass on the plague in the same way that maybe the COVID virus is passed on, uh, that you were calling God's blessings on you to protect you from that evil that might come to pass. But today, when we say bless you when someone sneezes, we don't give it that significance or that perspective. But but the psalmist is telling us that the blessing or being blessed is receiving all God's good favour. And it's hard for us to fathom the wholeness and completeness that that should make us feel. The person, that person, the person who is godly, who meditates on God's word, night and day, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Um, in our area, in the Hawkesbury, there are particular types of trees. I think they're a cypress tree. They're one of the conifers that have been really significantly affected by the drought that we've just come through. And all over the district, you can see rows of dead pine trees or, or conifers. Um, down the road I turn off, down Crooked Lane to go home. Fellas replanted them several times and they've died and there's nice green trees and then there's lots of dead ones right next to it. And it's taken a long time for those trees to grow, but the drought has sapped them of their supply of water and uh, they've died off. And every time I go past, it, it's a very stark reminder of life and death, the living and the dead, blessing and and. Uh, curses. And I look at that and I think, uh, Lord, please preserve me. May I continue to be that green tree, the evergreen tree. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assemblies of the righteous. Um, the wicked are like chaff. Uh, when, when we see some of the uh, movies, even some of the Disney movies, uh, we, we see what happens to the wicked. Uh, they dry out, they turn to dust and they get blown away. There's lots of movies where that imagery is present. And it's very stark imagery. And the good guys, in Disney anyway, good guys always win and the wicked turn to dust and are blown away. But that, that image there uh, helps us to understand uh, what chaff is like. Chaff is what's left after wheat or corn or barley or sorghum has been harvested. It's, uh, it's what's left over usually. Uh, sometimes if it's loosened, you can make loosened into chaff for animals to eat. But generally, uh, the chaff is the straw that's used as a bedding or it's a waste material that gets used to absorb the manure and goes onto the compost heap and just rots away and, and is of little significance compared to the green plant that produces the fruit, which is what the psalmist tells us where to be like. Um, 
like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. So if our direction is to be people uh, that spend our time meditating on the law of the Lord night and day, what does that look like? Um, to me that sounds like someone who's obsessed. Uh, to dwell upon, to meditate on the law of the Lord night and day, um, that's an obsessive behaviour. Um, I've got a friend who's quite obsessive about golf. They want to talk about golf and do golf, uh, hit a little ball around a, a paddock and try and get it into a little hole. Sounds a bit strange to me, but to him it's really important. Um, he doesn't understand that, unlike fishing, uh, you can't eat golf balls. Um, but nevertheless, uh, if, if we watch some of those programs on TV, the cooking programs where people have cook-offs or sing-offs, uh, if they get something wrong and they put a bit too much sugar in or a bit too much heat on or something happens and it, they burst into tears, they're, they're wiped out over something they're going to eat. Uh, and we might think, wow, that's strange. But I guess if you're the cook whose heart and soul is in making that uh, meal, whatever it is, if it doesn't turn out just the way you want it to, um, it, it's a significant thing. But the implications over having a meal or catching a fish or hitting a little white ball around a parrot are far less significant than what happens to our heart and our soul and our future because we're told at the end of Psalm 1 that the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. They won't stand with us who love God. For the Lord watches over the righteous, but the way of wicked leads to destruction. Where to be like the tree planted by streams of water? Um, the word planted doesn't just mean it grew up there. The word planted taken in its context means that maybe a seed was planted uh, or it grew up in an area, but it was taken from where it was and transplanted or planted by the stream. So it was taken up from where it was. Maybe it wasn't in an area that was getting enough water or enough nutriment or enough fertiliser, but it's taken up from there and it's put, planted next to the stream to give nourishment and sustenance. And, and why? So that it will continue to be green. It will never wither. Its leaf won't wither. And better than that, not only will it have green leaves and look green, but it'll also produce fruit. And what does fruit do? Fruit feeds and gives sustenance. So the tree that is planted by the stream, we've got the image of, of us being rooted in God's word, focused on God's word, living God's word, and then being doers of the word, not just hearers, but doers of the word, so that our impact will be on other, others' words, so that spending our time in the word, we're sucking up like the tree the goodness of God's word. Now, if we don't do that, we put ourselves at a significant disadvantage because if a tree isn't planted near streams, like those conifers that are dying without that nutriment, sustenance, water, they do wither and they do, do die. Um, <clears throat> so what does that mean in practical terms? 
uh, for us. Um, as a young fellow, I struggled a lot uh, when I became a Christian with, with reading my Bible and saturating myself with God's word. So a few practicalities that might be helpful. Um, Julie, my wife and I, we use Every Day with Jesus, uh, the little um, scripture union booklets, uh, which, which are pearls of wisdom. Um, there's also daily bread or daily notes, uh, scripture union encounter. There's also a very helpful uh, booklet called E100, which has 100 days of Bible reading. Uh, soul Supply. There's a lot of very helpful online um, um, devotions that we can read and there are lots of very healthy podcasts for us to listen to. If you're like me, you probably spend a bit of time in the car and when you're in the car, you can listen to what's on the radio, which is sometimes helpful and sometimes not, depending what you listen to. Uh, but putting on a podcast can be a really uh, instructional and beneficial and positive thing to do. So if we're going to put our roots deep in the Word, deep in the Lord, and be near streams of living water, we've got to spend our time obsessed with God's Word and the way He wants us to live because there are so many competing influences that we don't even think about, but like the, um, the frog in the saucepan that doesn't know that the water's heating up until it's boiling, and I, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that, um, that myth, uh, we've, we've been told that as Christians we can be like that. We, we need to be continually um, testing uh, the world and to me, the world is what on the screen. I was very impressed this morning when I opened my iPad. I've had 14% less screen time than I did last week. Uh, for me, that's probably um, a helpful thing. Um, if we read uh, verse 3, we can, we can maybe be a little bit challenged. That person the righteous, the godly, those who delight in the law of the Lord. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now, if we take that out of context, we might think that as Christians, we're going to be healthy, wealthy and wise and God's going to bless us and we're going to be rich and healthy and uh, enjoy the good life from the world's perspective. But that, that is not what the Bible teaches. In fact, um, Psalm 73, the psalmist uh, says, <clears throat> we've got to be very mindful uh, of the wicked. And um, assuming that it's David that wrote this psalm, and we believe it is, um, he says, uh, he begins to envy the wicked who have no struggles, are healthy and strong, and are free from human burdens. And he says, God, why am I not like that? Now, we need to lay hold of the fact that as Christians, that promise of health, wealth, and prosperity here and now does not exist. The Bible does not teach. Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble, but cheer up, I've overcome the world. So we're, we've we need to have an eternal perspective. And what the psalm is talking about is we may well have fractured relationships, physical brokenness or, or mental and emotional struggles. 
we may suffer financial difficulty or even ruin. But that's not an accident. God doesn't allow accidents. Things happen as a part of the will of God. And it's very often those things that bring us to the point where we realise, what else is there? I have no other. Until we're on our knees before our God and realise that here and now is a grain of sand on the beach of eternity. Um, I've, I've often said it to, to folks, if, if we're fortunate, we might live to be 60 or 70. If we're not so fortunate, we might make it to 80 or 90. And if we're really unfortunate, we might make it to 100. But then there's forever. And we know that if we live long enough, our, our hair's going to fall out, our teeth will fall out, our skin's going to uh, wither, and we're not going to be uh, strong and beautiful anymore. But in heaven, when we're with Christ, we will be like that tree, evergreen and producing fruit. So I don't want you to get the concept from verse 3, whatever they do prospers, that we're talking about here and now and the physical or, or the material because that's not what the psalmist is referring to. What he's referring to is the fact that uh, we're not human beings, we're actually eternal beings and we just have a, a, a physical presence now here on earth but he designed and intended us to be with him in eternity. So if we take our delight in the Lord, that is our prosperity and what we've got to look forward to. But it comes at a cost, and the cost is not walking in step with the wicked, not standing in the way with sinners, and not being in the company of mockers. And that's a choice that we have. And it's like being at a a fork in the road and thinking that we can have our cake and eat it. We can't take both forks. And if we stand in the middle, not making a choice is still making a choice. So we've got to be the person that makes the choice to go God's way, to take our delight in his word and his law because that leads to our prosperity. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've so richly blessed us by giving us Jesus, who's the one and only means of eternal prosperity we've, um, that we've learned about today. Please keep us from walking in the counsel of the wicked, from standing in the way of sinners and sitting with mockers, but that we would deliberately and consciously delight in your word. Amen.